Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutlinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutlinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> Right, bus people. And if you're following us, thank you, bus people. Thank you. If you're following us on Facebook, you can see the bus pull up. I believe now, can't you? I think I think Mike got a picture <laughs> yeah, of the bus good. pulling up. Yeah. So three <laughs> so D animation. <laughs> yeah. So we we got ourselves you know a little picture of the bus pulling okay. up and. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. There you go. Thank you, bus people. Uh, yeah, very good. <laughs> good to have you with us. <clears throat> yeah. Welcome to it the is, show. It is Thursday something. May 14th? Uh, yeah. 14th. 14th. Yeah. yeah. May 14th, 2020. Hope everyone is still safe and not diseased and following accepted guidelines. And yeah. uh, they're they're opening up stuff here in Florida slowly but surely. But, uh, you know, there's that group of people saying, no, no, don't do it. And there's a group of people saying, we should have done this months ago. And, you know, so it's as with everything. And we we have the controversy, but the main thing is we want to keep people safe. So that's that's the key to it more than anything else. You need to be safe out there. So, yeah. So... So, hope everyone had a good Mother's Day. That was just last Sunday. And uh, everyone was safe and got a chance to say hi to moms and have themselves an enjoyable, well, however you celebrate Mother's Day, by distancing. And let's see what else is happening. Uh, Yesterday, my... Engineer and I celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. So that was thank you, thank you. 20 26 years. I've learned a secret. Yes, sir, you're right. I'm wrong. Whatever you say, and so everything works well that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. So, but nothing else exciting and new in the news. We don't have sports yet. I usually am talking about sports this time of year. Although NASCAR is opening up this weekend, I don't think there's going to be any fans in the stands. I think they're just going to run races without fans, but everything's going to be televised. So you you won't get the smell of the fumes and all that stuff. And uh, but you can turn up your TV and listen to the noise and. Uh, or turn it down and 
not listen to the announcers and pretend like you're there. So, <laughs> you know, however way you want to do that. And then let's see, there's no other sports. I mean, they're talking, the, the governor of Florida today said that he is the NFL. If the NFL is looking for a place to have football games, he volunteered the University of Florida Stadium, the Gator Stadium, for NFL games. And so that might be a possibility there that they're playing some NFL games at a neutral site at the Florida Gator Stadium. And What's wrong with the so, normal stadiums? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. What's the, you between, know uh, what's the difference between like Raymond James and uh, the University of Florida? Don't they seat people and yeah, you know, yeah. and there's a closer airport here than there's to there. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I yeah. just. I, I agree. And, you know, the same thing with baseball. They're talking about neutral parks for baseball. And you're going, well, you know, neutral it's, yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, how, yeah, oh, I'm a virus. Came, I can't find him. That came yeah. from our governor? That, oh, no, the baseball is, is oh. the powers that be in baseball are talking about neutral oh. parks. and. But the football know. thing was. Football came from our governor, yeah. The university, yeah. the president of the University of Florida said, hey, you know, that's a me. good idea. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure it is. There she is. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. So, <laughs> We're on a wine show talking football. <laughs> talking football. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we are very diversified is what we are. We've, we've talked about all sorts of stuff, you know. So. Yep. Okay. Well, We've got Charlotte on. Let me bring Charlotte on to the show. Hello, Charlotte. Welcome to All About Wine. Hello. How are we doing this evening? We are great. And yourself? I'm good. I'm uh, living the dream down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Today marks 10 weeks since I've been here. 10 weeks is all. Wow. So <laughs> just just a a new assignment you haven't had the opportunity to experience and taste the summer humidity for us southern states then have you um i have my sister lives here which is why i'm i'm hunkered down i actually did the uh charleston wine and food festival at the beginning of march which uh was followed by the hilton head wine and food festival the following weekend um and that's kind of when the country started to shut down so i decided best to stay here um, and enjoy the nice weather as opposed to going back home, which is uh, right outside of D.C. Oh, okay. So you, you're from Tennessee then originally? Uh, D.C., Washington, D.C. Oh, D.C. I thought it said Tennessee. I'm sorry. Yeah. D.C. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I've got a brother-in-law who lives outside of D.C., actually in Maryland, but you know that whole area is so close up there that it's you know, you can say, oh, I'm close to D.C. You can live a long ways away and say I'm close. You know. um, well, Rombar <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vineyards, Rombar Wine. First thing we want to start, if anybody wants to see what Charlotte looks like, then you go to rombauer.com. All right. R-O-M-B-A-U-E-R, rombauer.com. Then go to the page that says about and then click down on people. And then when you get the people, scroll down the page until you find Charlotte. And that's who we're talking with tonight. So if you want to put a face to the 
to the voice, and that's how you can do that. Now, since we're on this page, and Mike and I were talking about this before the show, oh, my gosh, you got lots of people. <laughs> yeah, we have um, – there are nine regional sales managers across the nation, um, and that does not include our director of education, Alan Cannon, who, as we speak, is hosting Ron Bauer's virtual hour of the week. Um, as well as Allison Surgeon, who is our director of sales. Um, so it's a rather hefty team, um, given that we're not, you know, as big as some of the other wineries that you find in Napa. Um, but we are very close, and we're constantly in contact through a group text message, which is just so much fun. Um, so, yes, there are a few of us. But you, you, okay, you're – all labeled managers, do you have people under you or is it because you manage an area? It's mostly because we manage territories. So I'm the Mid-Atlantic Regional Sales Manager. My territory is um, Pennsylvania to South Carolina, including West Virginia and the district. So I've got eight states, if you will, under my belt. Um, but in doing so, we manage our, you, you know, we manage our distributor partners uh, in each individual state. Some states have more than one distributor, and uh-huh. we manage, yeah, we manage the, uh, the the state managers there, their reps, the sales, um, and make and we make sure that the brand stays where we want and need it to be. Okay, very good. So everybody's got their their own little thing to do in their own little region, then. And then they take care of it from there. But then you have a lot of other people. I mean, I'm looking here, seeing titles, assistant hospitality and retail sales manager and corporate counsel and director of human resources and all sorts of different things. So this is just like everybody that's on the payroll, it seems like. Um, It's actually a fraction. These are, we are, this is mostly what we would call a leadership team, essentially. I mean, we have an actual leadership team, but this, these are the faces of people that um, our consumers interact with the most. Um, uh-huh. And so we want to make sure that they know who they're talking to, just as you mentioned. Like, you want to, if you want to see what I look like, this is a great place to do that. And um, <laughs> we have a fantastic team. I miss them dearly. I only get to see them twice a year. And uh, this year, I don't know that I'll be able to see them until December, sadly. But oh, it is that's what it sad. Is. Yeah, well, better safe. You know, we were constantly talking about being safe on the show anyway, so that's that's better to be safe. So, okay, well, Rombar Vineyards, uh, you know, give us the history. How how and when did it start, and who started it, and all that good stuff. So, Rombar Vineyards was founded by Kerner and Joan Rombar, a husband and wife team, in 1980. They were uh, high school sweethearts. They grew up in the Valley, and they eventually moved to Texas for Kerner's uh, profession as a fighter pilot. Oh, um, wow. They had, yeah, they had two children, K.R., Kerner III, and Shauna, and they raised their children for uh, about 15 years and then decided that they wanted to move back to the Valley, and so they picked up all of their things and and headed back in the 70s. And um, at that time, Kerner had switched over from being a fighter pilot to being uh, a pilot, a commercial pilot with Braniff Airlines. Uh-huh. And, yeah, when they moved back, they uh, Kerner took a, took a liking and an interest to the wine industry. And um, in 1976, he began working with concrete 
which is uh, a winery that still exists to this day, and they kind of took him under his under their wing. And um, with their tutelage, he learned what it really takes to uh, form a winery, to have a successful winery um, inside and out, right? Not just the winemaking aspect of it, but the people aspect of it. Um, you know, we talk right. a lot about uh, the people, people, product, and process um, facet of things. And so in um, 1980, Kerner decided that he had had enough training um, to start his own winery. He approached Joan and said, hey, look, I think it's time we put our own name on, our, on some bottles. And she was all for it. So he takes his application to Wells Fargo and applies for a $100,000 loan. And the woman looks at his application and looks back, looks back up at him and says, oh, I see you used to work for Brana Fairlines. And he was like, mm, no, I still do. And she goes, mm, no, you don't. I read in the paper this morning that they went out of business. <laughs> oh, boy. What a way to find like, out. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, oh, great. So now am I out of my full-time job. I'm trying to pursue this extremely expensive and arduous endeavor. And, uh, and a hundred thousand dollars in 1980 is a lot, was a lot, it's a lot of money today. It was a heck of a lot more back then. Yeah. Um, but they, Wells Fargo granted him the loan and, um, he was so, so grateful. And, uh, they, they, their first vintage was 1980. It was a Cabernet Sauvignon that was released a couple of years later. That was when it was harvested. Um, they broke ground at, at our St. Helena facility in North Napa in 1982. It is um, still there to this day. We have our tasting room and our caves there, which hold our Merlot and our Cab, and our um, winemaking facility there, as well as our admin building. So we, it's ironic that the current climate is as such because this is our 40th anniversary year. Ah. We are still family owned and operated and we had so many fun events scheduled for, for surrounding the 40th anniversary, which of course, unfortunately, many of them have already been canceled and oh, the future yeah. likely will be as well. But that, That's sad, yeah. Yeah, it stinks. But, you know, we are, I've, I've been in the wine industry professionally for 12 years, and I've never seen a force quite like Rombauer. Um, I started with them in February of last year, so it's only been 15 months. But they, you know, when they say your family, they, they truly mean it. And it, it speaks volumes about the character of the, fa- the, the current family. Um, their second and third generation are still heavily involved. And then, um, you know, it speaks volumes about the the mantra of the winery. Yeah, and it also speaks a lot about the wine because everybody cares about it and everybody puts an effort into it and everybody also tries if anyone is dissatisfied for any reason out there with the wine. It seems like everyone would do everything they can to make people happy, which is a big, big plus right there. So that's that's understandable. Yeah, it's, it's good. Wow, they... <laughs> Quite a story. I was going to say Brand Fairline. I remember them. I remember them going out of business. But boy, what a way to find out. Uh, they uh, 
the vineyards, how how many uh, how many acres and what wines do they have now? What does uh, uh, so? I mean, it so seems like a big operation. You know, you'd think uh, we definitely are not as big as a lot of people assume we are. Um, I think it's truly a brand presence more than um, a product availability in the market. We, you know, we have our peers down the road, Duckhorn, for example, who are wonderful, so wonderful. But they they are they have several different secondary and and, and third um, labels that they work with. So right. we appear. To, to be of that um, largeness, but we are not. However, we do have currently, I guess we just increased it by four acres last week. We have 674 acres of land in the Napa Valley, ranging from the south to the north. Um, we also have wow. um, some property. Yeah, we also have some property in the Sierra Foothills, which is where our, um, our Zinfandel is sourced. And that our Zinfandel is, is our number one selling red by far. Um, Is it? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we, um, so 670 acres, everything that we produce, about 70% of it is estate fruit. Uh, the remaining 30%, 25 of it is long-term grow partners. Uh, for example, the San Giacomo family. Um, when we say long-term, we mean 10 years plus, and we've been with them for so long. We trust them. We know that they're, taking good care of our fruit. Um, and then the remaining 5% is predominantly um, because of our Sauvignon Blanc, which is our newest varietal that we uh, introduced to the market with the 2016 vintage. And um, the 2014 was 2014 was when we started it, but we needed the fruit for it. We didn't have any of our own um, vines or vineyard sites of Sauvignon Blanc, so we had to outsource. Mm-hmm. So you do get, you say, some Sierra Foothills. You pick up some uh, some fruit from there? Yeah, so we have um, a good chunk of land out in the foothills, and um, it's where we get the majority of our Zinfandel fruit from. Oh. Um, we do get some of it from Napa County. We get some of it from Lake County. Um, but because the, the good chunk of it comes from out there, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour drive northeast from Napa, um, Kerner, before he passed away two years ago, almost to the day, um, he had been in talks with Renwood, which is was a winery out in the foothills, about purchasing their facilities. And they kind of went back and forth, and unfortunately, it never came to fruition. However, um, his his dream never fizzled, and the winery continued and we finally were able to come to an agreement last uh, February and we purchased the facility and the tasting room. None of the juice, not the name. Yeah. And in three weeks after the papers were signed, um, the, they stripped everything down to the beans and rebuilt from scratch. And we have our official second tasting room out there as well as our fourth winemaking facility. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you're, pretty exciting. You, you have four locations that you're making wine in. Yes. So that the idea behind the foothills was so that we would have a, a facility that basically sits in the front yard of where our fruit is sourced, or our vineyard sites are, um, so that we're not trekking the fruit in the dead of night and 
you know, risking bruising or oxidation, um, okay. going back <laughs> right, down yeah, to the number of problems. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, a number of problems, correct. Um, so that is our fourth winemaking facility. We have the one um, in St. Helena, which is our original, and that caters to our Merlot and Cabernet uh, production. And then down in uh, downtown Napa, we have two facilities there that are mostly catered to our Chardonnay, um, which is by far and away our big driver of the brand. Um, and it's honestly the most pristine facility I've ever seen in my life. You know, I've been to Napa many, many years ago. I used to go to Napa quite a bit. And I, I, it was before – Rombar came into existence, and that's why I don't remember any of the locations or anything. I used to go up there all the time back in the in the early mid to almost late seventies, and I used to travel up there a lot. But uh, it was in the late seventies that I stopped going, and that's about the time he opened. So that's why you know you're saying all these locations and everything. I'm going, why don't I remember? Was the reason I don't is because it was after my time that I was spending a lot of time up there. So. That yeah. it would be fun to see what all they have now. Uh, excuse me. Okay, we know where they're growing. Tell us about the wines. You started to talk about the Chardonnay. You said the Chardonnay is your your signature one. Uh, is it a uh, oak, un oak, stainless steel? Uh, uh, what do you do with it? Um, yeah. So we, <laughs> I have never seen a product that is so sought after and admired in my entire career. It is really? wild. But I truly, I mean, I worked, I worked for, I worked as a, um, as a sales rep for the country vintner in Northern Virginia for five years. And Ron Bauer was part of my portfolio. So I had some inkling. Um, and then I went on to become a, a wine consultant up and down the East coast for a couple of years. And then, and then I, I started Ron Bauer and um, you know, we, I onboarded for two weeks in the Valley. It was just awful, as you can imagine, you know, being out there for two weeks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, Tough life. Um, But they kept telling me, you know, I, I trained with my, my director of sales, Allison Surgeon, who's just an amazing human, but I also, you know, spoke with almost everybody at the winery and every single person was just, just so incredibly kind and generous and warm and welcoming. And every single one of them was like, Oh, you're going to love working for Ron Bauer. You'll see what it does out in the market. The Chardonnay is insane. And, you know, you have to take things with a grain of salt when, when people tell you that, but it did become a little um, interesting to me that every single person was saying that. I was like, all right, all right. And then sure, sure enough, you go out to market and it is unreal. I mean, I, my sister is also a certified son, and so I've had her help me with a few events, and she kind of had the same hesitation, and then she sees it in real life. Like, people are insane about our Chardonnay, and I love it. I love it. I love the wine. I love the power behind it. I mean, I had a woman, I was at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, which is a massive club up there, um, and a woman, I was tasting with the team there, and uh, this lady comes running up to me, and she goes, oh, I heard you're from Ron Bauer. I said, yes, I am. She goes, 
look at this. And she shows me a picture of a cake that she had made for her friend in the shape of a Ron Bauer Chardonnay bottle. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Fantastic thing. That's great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we, (laughs) we, um, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. So we, we make just under 350,000 cases of wine. And that includes the six varietals that we put out to market as well as the winery only um, products that just we don't make enough of to, to bring out. And the Chardonnay accounts for about 275,000 of those cases. So wow. It's, it's a big boy, yeah. Um, but, yes, it is oaked. It, it spends a, about nine months in a combination of French and American oak, a third of which is new. And uh, it definitely has that buttery full-bodied quality to it, but the the fact that it's now, the fruit is 100% sourced from Carneros, which is a cooler site in the Napa Valley, uh, right. really gives it that beautiful fruit and that balance and acidity that it needs. Now, well, being cool like that, you're not going to get a whole lot of acid. You're going to bring out that fruit very well, which is great. You know, that's one of the things about Chardonnay is they tend to, if not careful, tend to be slipping into the acid bite too much and so if you can get away from that i always like that so um so you have four chardonnays i'm looking on your side here you have four chardonnays two of them are sold out uh is there some of them that you uh, i mean these home ranch and the was it butchie station butchley station these just through the wine buckley yeah yep buckley station yep so those are winery-only single vineyard Chardonnays. Um, unfortunately, I only get to try them anytime I'm at the winery because we don't get to have them out to market. Um, but something that's really cool that we were able to do this past year that they've never done in the past is they started opening up some of the higher production items that used to be winery-only. And um, we were able, as RSM's regional sales managers, to select specific states within our territories that we thought would be well-suited. And so, for example, this proprietor selection Chardonnay, I selected a couple of my states and allocated a few cases to said states. And um, it was really fun. It was fun to bring something new out. It was really fun for the, for the states, the reps and the managers had a great time with it. But unfortunately, because it's so delicious, they all ran out so quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you start bringing stuff like that out, and they will disappear. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, then Sauvignon Blanc is brand new. Brand spanking new. Um, so and no and read a, on how. I'm just saying, no What's read that? on how it's going to sell yet. Oh no no no! Um, we literally just released our 2019 Sauvignon Blanc to the market. Uh, 14 and 15 were those two percentages they stayed at the winery, and you know it's it's a, kind of an interesting story. Kerner um, was so opposed to introducing a new varietal to the portfolio, and Richie Allen, who is our, <laughs> yeah, he's he's very much a traditionalist, and I can understand that. Um, yeah. But Richie Allen, who's our, our winemaker and has been for 11 years, um, he kept approaching Kerner and saying, look, we need a second white to put some contrast to our super popular Chardonnay. We need something that's yes. a little bit more crisp and approachable for the, you know, perhaps the younger crowds, right? Let's see what other demographics we can grab. 
And um, Kerner kept saying no and no and no. And um, I think eventually he realized that his health was deteriorating and he wanted to see one last big hurrah for the one day. <laughs> And so, it was the Sauvignon Blanc, uh, yeah. And it was the Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. So, so he went to Richie and and said, "All right, I'll, like, let's experiment. Let's keep it at the winery. We can try it out." So, fourteen vintage happened. It was uh, all stainless steel, and uh, Kerner was like, "No, no, I don't think so. We need to put like a Rombauer stamp on this. Like, it needs to be unique." So, following vintage twenty fifteen, Richie added ten percent neutral barrel aging. And uh-huh. apparently when, when Kerner tasted it, he just looked up at Richie and was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's, so it's amazing how this a little bit of barrel aging. Uh, that barrel aging can make a difference, too. It's just it's uh, um, amazing that it affects it so much for so little. I mean, 10% doesn't seem like a lot, but it really does. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. It's especially given that it's neutral, right? Uh, you think that, but it truly is for, it's for the body. I mean, it, it really rounds the palate out. It's still very citrus driven. It's still gotten beautiful, uh, racy acidity. Um, but the body is, is more supple than your typical Sauvignon Blanc. Um, so yeah, so it has been out to market, um, just, I mean, as I, literally last week was the 2019 release. Um, so now officially four years, and it's in the triple digits every year, year over year. Wow. It is cruising. Yeah, Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. I just, there, there's, you know, whenever people ask about Sauvignon Blancs, I always recommend the New Zealand because they seem to do quite well with them. Uh, this, a uh, you just said, a, a very fruit-forward Sauvignon Blanc that uh, tends to bring out the younger people in it. And that's that's a good way to go, I think, too. I, um, Zinfandel. I think so, too. Big seller. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Zinfandel is, it's, it's funny, it's one of those varietals that um, people either love or don't. Um <laughs> And, I love I love Azimadel. <laughs> I'm one of those love signs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, you know just as much as the Chardonnay is, is our our force for the whole brand. The Zinfandel just crushes our Merlot and our Cab, and <laughs> I think that it's I mean crushes. We have we increased our production of Zinfandel with this latest vintage by 37 percent and it was like nobody nobody bat an eye all of our distributor partners were super excited to have more in the market and Uh we look you know we see the numbers every day and it's just it's amazing um so it's nice you know because when i'm in sales of course um Mm -hmm. but i also have to to keep an eye on the numbers and making sure that everyone's adhering to brand standards that we put forth um and it's nice to see that that the two kind of go hand in hand. It's like a beautiful product. It's selling. It's adhering to our brand standards, and it's it, it's it's doing so well out in market. And it's unlike any Zinfandel I'd ever had. Um, it's very soft. It's uh, extremely high in alcohol content. So I always warn people to just be cautious. 
How high? How high alcohol is it? It's at fifteen point nine percent. Oh, it's up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's up there, which is actually pretty common for Zinfandels from California. Anymore, um, yeah. But, those cabs, all those coming out of California now, they're jumping that alcohol level up higher and higher. It seems like. Yep. But it's so soft, and it's got so much beautiful fruit that you would never guess. It's not hot at, at all whatsoever on the nose or on the palate. And I think, mm. um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a, a few folks in the last 15 months have a good, good old time on Zinfandel and then didn't realize it the following day because it was, <laughs> it's, it's a hard hitter. It's a hard hitter, and it goes down so easy. How, how much um, – uh, Aging, do you do on yours ends? It's sixteen months, um, wow. and it's the only red. Yeah, it's the only red that we uh, have in American oak, uh, solely in American uh-huh. oak. Um, the Merlot and the Cab both see uh, a little bit of French oak. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean it's something that we're very proud of. I cannot wear. The 18 was just released. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. It is going to be so delicious. Um, and I know that the guys, we have um, a good amount of, uh, we have four winemakers. Uh, we just hired one during during COVID, which speaks volumes about how <laughs> loyal, loyal our consumers are. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so we... Uh, we we I can't wait to get my hands on the new vintage. I think it's going to be delicious. It's got a little bit more petite Syrah than the 17, um, which had 5%. This vintage has um, 7, which oh. kind of give it a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more oomph, a little bit more grip, and and um, you know to create to create a little bit more of a structure. Um, otherwise, so it's, I'm looking it's forward all, to that. Otherwise, it's all zen except for that little bit of petite Syrah. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, yeah, I have another so question if, too. If, yeah, you mentioned American oak. Do you know where you're sourcing that American oak? Do you know where it's coming from? Um, so it comes from a variety of different places. We have different ten different coopers that we work with. Coopers oh, okay. that we work with. Yeah. Um, and I, I see, just I was just curious because you know it, it, distinct areas in the United States are giving out distinct flavors of American oak, and I just wondered if you were sourcing from any one particular one or not. So, you know, it's for my curiosity. <laughs> That's all. No, no, uh, for sure. No, it's a great question. I uh, the breakdown of the American oak that we use in the in the in the uh, blend. I'm not positive. I just know that we source from ten different. Or we use ten different cooper Okay. Um, the uh, uh, other ones here, the ones that are sold out, are these all through the tasting room or part of the wine club? Or uh, what makes them sell out? It's just because you make such a small batch. What is the reason for that? Yes. So you'll see uh, what's on there. Uh, you can see probably Fiddletown and yes. Proprietor and then yep. El Dorado Twin Rivers. Yes. Um, so the El Dorado, yes, they sell out because it is very, very, they're just really production. Um, and I think it's important that we have, uh, certain wines that are available at the tasting room only just as a means of attraction. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but, 
just like the provider selection Chardonnay, we were able to bring the El Dorados and Findel to certain markets this past year. And, oh, man, that was so fun. Um, I can tell you it was so fun. Um, Maryland has been cruising through some El Dorados and Findel. Um, and they keep wanting more. And, unfortunately, we're basically out at this point. Um, so. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, there's, well, we have, you know, we have three different uh, sectors that we can pull wine from, and one of them is for national sales. The other one's for direct-to-consumer DTC, and the other one is for California. And so we can move some things around occasionally, but not not often. Um, and also, we don't, you know, we don't want to oversaturate the market with, with our products because, A, we don't make enough wine to do that, but, B, also we want to make sure that, um, you know, it's it's a it's a wine that you seek out. It's not widely available everywhere. Um, right. So, yeah, if I, if you get your hands on an Eldorado Zinfandel, oh man, you're in for a treat. Yeah, for a treat. Yeah, I'll have to <laughs> have to look forward to the next release of that. See if I can grab some of that. Let's move on to the Cabernet Sauvignon, which is surprising that you said that the Zin outsells the Cab and Merlots by so much. Uh, Cab seems to be the go-to wine for so many people, and yet you say it's the the sales of it are lower than the than the Zimbabwe. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think a big part of that is that there are so many Napa Valley cabs out there that the competition is absurd, um, and the category. Yeah, yeah, the category is extra dense. Um, so it's also interesting given that it was our first varietal produced, but that's not what comes to mind for most folks. Um, I will tell you that something that we do often, and you've maybe heard me say that uh, we call them our peers, you know, other wineries in the Valley, they are our peers. Um, they're our friends. Uh, current around our friends with, with, you know, Dan Duckhorn and Robert Mondavi and, um, you know, they shared a lot of tips and tricks with each other, and they had nights where that went on into the early hours of the morning. Um, so we we have a lot of peers in the valley, but something that we do that I think a lot of our a lot of them don't do are um, uh, blind tastings and comparisons against uh, similar products. So we always try to choose um, obviously the same varietal, same vintage, right. same price bracket and I cannot tell you how many times Brown Barrow Cabernet Sauvignon comes out on top and it's a fraction of the cost of some of our peers. Um, yeah, oh yeah. I mean you start pricing some some quality caps in Napa and you can't touch one for less than 150. So it's it's amazing what they're charging there for some of the caps in Napa. That's crazy. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, we we source our fruit. We have we have vineyard sites across the valley for our cab and in in some of the most sought after areas. I mean, Stag's Leap, oh, I Stag's Leap Atlas Peak. Oh my gosh! I mean, on average, those those vineyard sites are going for four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars an acre. Yes, um, uh, if it, you can find it that cheap. <laughs> If you can find it that cheap, yes, exactly. Um, so, so our cat is is kind of a sleeper in the sense that, again, a lot of 
our consumers aren't even aware that we make one. Um, but it's so beautiful. It's powerful. It's robust. It's tannic, but it's still, it's very soft around the edges. It's so drinkable. Um, and, you know, we, we often joke about how um, you can drink our wine with any food, but it's so true. I mean, you don't have to stick with a, with a lamb chop or a ribeye with our Cabernet. You can go with something that's a little less um, meaty, if you will, and it's still a really wonderful pairing. What is the also, average, what's the average ABV on the cap? Uh, the ABV is about 14.5. Oh, so um, that's not real high. And no. no, it's definitely not high. It's definitely not that high. And we, you know, it's, it also, we have a little bit of Petit Verdot and some Cab Franc in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the, the combination of those Bordeaux varietals uh, creates just a very well-balanced wine. Um, and, you know, given the fact that it was Kerner's wine of choice, or it was Kerner's wine of choice because it, it reminded him, the varietal reminded him to, to be kind and stay humble. That's just the mantra that he lived by, and it lives and breathes throughout the winery to this day um, because he struggled for the first 12 years that the, uh, that the winery was in, in existence, and they didn't make a dime of profit, and Joan had to carry the winery, carry the winery and the family by working as a tasting room manager and then sales director for Stagfleet Wine Cellars for those 12 years um, to put food on the table. Yeah. So wow. given, given that it was his first varietal, he had a strong liking to it. And so when we, when they decided as a, as a family and as a company to put out um, a, one of our special wines that was typically um, winery only, they leaned into the Cabernet Sauvignon. And so we were able, we have the diamond selection um, out for, um, out for um, market and it's our like it's our you know our treat wine it's our higher end wine it's our upper tier wine and it and it does so well it's so delicious <laughs> yeah it sounds like it it sounds like it uh i yeah i like cabernet sauvignon i just it's always been one that i've enjoyed and there's such a variety of them too so it makes it even more interesting instead of getting the same taste all the time merlot uh, you got uh, quite a few Merlot here. Merlot is, you know, the go-to wine seems like quite a bit now. People, oh, I love Merlot. Well, actually, people either love it or hate it, but Merlot seems to be a very popular wine right now. And it's interesting, too, because your Merlot prices are all the same. You've got 13, mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16, and 17 vintages here, and no special selections, no special... Amounts, is there a reason that you just stayed humble and quiet on the Merlots? Or is it just the fact that people like Merlots and so, okay, we need to make one, we'll just make one? Great question. Uh, ironically, these older vintages were just put up on the on the website a couple of, of weeks ago because um, Alan Cannon, who I mentioned was our Director of Education and Distributor Relations, is currently hosting the Rombauer Virtual Hour, and tonight's virtual hour is a vertical of Merlot. And so, ah! um, the wine, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the winery wanted to have the 
the, the older vintages available on the website for people to purchase and join in and be able to drink them along with um, Alan and uh, four of our colleagues out there at oh. the winery. Um, yeah, so it's pretty fun. Um, but, no, we don't have any single vineyard Merlot. I will tell you with, um, with certainty that it is um, by far and away the staff's favorite wine out of the out of the layout the um out of the portfolio we really yeah. I don't, it, yes yeah and you know it was a very very tough category for 10 12 years because of that dang movie that i won't even mention oh yeah i know um, I, I didn't want to mention it either but i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about yes yeah um so yeah so we um it, it was a difficult category and it's it's our we don't we it's our lowest production item as well as our lowest selling item but we sell through every vintage every year except for things that we keep at the winery for our library um and uh it's it's fabulous i literally um just ordered six bottles today for personal Uh consumption because i'm like itching and i'm dying to get my hands on it but it's 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 not your so the movie was claiming it, and, and then subsequently the cult- culture was claiming it to be a very flabby and uninteresting yeah. varietal, right? And lacking acid, lacking structure. And it just depends on how you how, what the winemaking is. I mean, there's no beautiful grapes, and there's a reason why it's one of the five pillars of Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and people people in my former roles would say all the time, like, Oh, I don't drink more low. I'm like, okay, well, do you drink right bank Bordeaux? Cause we can have that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> um, really, yeah. But that's exactly how Richie Allen and his associate winemakers approached this product. And they ended up throwing in a, a good chunk of Cabernet Sauvignon as well as some Petit Bordeaux to really make it very much a Bordeaux like or Bordelais, if you will, um, wine. And it's, just simply gorgeous and it's 100 percent french oak 17 months um wow. and it's just delish sounds like a great buy at the 45 dollars you're asking for it too i mean at you know with that uh, aging and everything i had a uh, at, you know after that movie came out i had somebody come into the winery that i had we've since closed i retired but somebody came in one day and very seriously asked me is it okay to drink merlot and i went oh my gosh <laughs> yes i mean you know <laughs> you know drink as much <laughs> as you can all the time you can you know don't don't let something like that sway you you know it it, it was funny oh my next one on here is one of my favorite ever ever wines i just absolutely love it is the barbera and you guys make a barbera which you're sold out of course yes but- yeah, so that's um, a brand new thing. Uh, I actually, we had the opportunity. So the Barbera is being uh, grown right alongside of our Vincent Dell mm. um, and up in the foothills. And so we um, had the opportunity when we, we do twice a year national sales meetings with our team since we all live in various parts of the country. Um, so we all fly out to the valley and we meet and we do, you know, a few days of some serious grinding. And um, and this last, in July, we were able to um, hop on Kerner Rombauer's Legacy Jets. So that was super fun. 
Um, yeah. Of course, he was a pilot, so of course he had a plane. Um, so, and we we uh, flew over to the foothills, and we were able to see the new tasting room and the new facility out there. And we were able to taste uh, the Barbera. So oh, yeah. that was really cool. And I have always had an affinity for Italian wine. Um, don't tell my French parents that. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> okay, it's not torture. Um, <laughs> and I can tell you with certainty that the uh, Barbera, uh, I think we made, I want to say, 225 cases. It was super, super small production. Um, but it tastes like it's straight out of Piedmont. I mean, it was, oh, wow. it is beautiful. Um, and and it's an interesting derivation of what the rest of California is doing. You know, if, there are some Barbera producers out there, sure. There are, um, yes. but Not as many as I like to see, but there are some out there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like it's, it's, it's an interesting choice on the behalf of the winery. You know, we're often considered to be very traditional and this and the other. And yes, we, we, a part of us, a part of our identity is certainly that, right? We hold true to what we do best. And that's, uh, that's fantastic wine, great customer service, and, you know, just being super friendly across the board. But something that a lot of folks don't know until we tell them is that we're extremely innovative as a company. Um, not, you know, of course, the ideas are there. You have to have the ideas in order to, to move forward. But in, in uh, execution as well, I mean, we are at the forefront of technology in the Valley and in winemaking in general. And, um, and I'll get into that. But I think the Barbera was kind of a way to, to – to show people that, hey, you know, we, we're creative. We can, we can do other things, and we do them quite well. Yeah, there you go. Well, you mentioned something earlier that you had a blend of Cabernet Franc in with the Cabernet Sauvignon. So my vote is, and I strongly, strongly vote, that you make a varietal Cabernet Franc next when you start expanding your uh, portfolio, consider Cabernet Franc. I'd love a Cabernet Franc also. I, um, it's really funny you say that because about six months ago, my colleague who lives, who does Northern California and Hawaii, um, she lives relatively near the winery and she went in one day to pick up samples and she was stopped by our president CEO, Bob Kniebel, and was like summoned into his office and was asked, Hey, so Christine, what if we were to do another new varietal, and I say another one because it took Rombauer 24 years to, to come out with this <laughs> new Bell after 24 years after the Zinfandel came out in 1990. Um, and uh, you know, Christine, what, what varietal would you go with next? And she looked at Bob and she, without hesitation, said, Well, Cabernet Franc, there you we go, we have Cabernet Franc fruit, and we would do such a great job with it. So, I will. I will pass that along and certainly pass that along that because you I think, you know, oh, a yeah. good Cabernet Franc is just, it will, it will blow Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot out of the water. It will be right on up there with that Zimitol. I love a Cabernet Franc and it's too bad more people aren't aware of it too. So. I know. totally agree. You know, I was, res- I actually, I reside in Northern Virginia and Cabernet Franc is the red grape of the state there. Um, yeah. And all again, over there. 
Yeah, and it's a, and again, it's one of the five varietals, allowable varietals, red in, in Bordeaux. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot yeah. to say. Let's, there's a lot to be said about uh, the, the strength of that, that grape, for sure. Yeah. One of the best Cabernet Francs I had was out in Napa. There was a taste of Napa held here in Tampa a few years ago, and somebody had a Cabernet Franc that he had made under the under the table, and I was talking about the virtues of a Cabernet Franc. He pulled it out and poured me some, and oh, my gosh, that was just absolutely delicious. So there's a lot to be said. <laughs> That's <for>. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last couple of them, you have a, a, a light harvest Chardonnay and a Solera red dessert wine. Uh, both of these real high residual sugars on them, or are they botrytis, or what's the word on both of these? So they're both late harvest. Um, the Joy is Chardonnay, and the Solera is Zinfandel. And um, yeah, so they've got some. So they've got some hefty alcohol content to them, as well as some some pretty uh, high sugar content. But again, both are so well balanced by their acidity. We only made seven barrels of the 18 Joy um, wow. for that feed at the winery. Yeah, and I'm not sure of the production level of the Solera, but those are. Those are two treat wines for us when we're able to go out to the winery. And, um, and I actually, with that, I should mention that our whole, our, our tagline for the company is the joy of wine. You'll find it on all of our corks. You'll find it on our business cards. Um, we do an event every July um, called Joy. And the reason for that is Kerner, Kerner Rombauer's great aunt Irma Rombauer was the original author of the joy of cooking cookbook. Oh. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Oh, that's cool. Everybody knows that yeah. book. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So we, um, so they're still family owned and operated and we are also still family owned and operated. So it's kind of fun to do these events with them in tandem. And that was the idea with the 40th anniversary this year is that we would travel, um, Reagan Rombauer, our third generation would travel with, um, the Beckers, who are the family of Irma, um, enjoys cooking. They would do, go around and do all these events, and it's it's a um, it's a great way to entice people to join a dinner. And often, when I'm talking with an accountant, I'm saying, you know, hey, I would love to come in and do a dinner with you. I tell them if that's joy cooking, that if they want, it's totally their choice. You know, the chef and kitchen can can. Um, can choose to pull recipes from the cookbook and then we pair it with the wines and it makes for a really interesting and different experience for the consumer, which I've really enjoyed. It sounds fascinating. You, you mentioned that there is a virtual tasting going on right now. Uh, is this a weekly thing that he does or is it just sporadic or what? So it's been weekly since the country shut down. Um, you know, Everyone had every single person in the country in the world had to pivot, um, and Rondar did it seamlessly and with extreme grace and um, and and in an educated way. Um, and um, so we've been doing it. At first, it was mostly the uh, the winemakers, and um, then they started kind of doing different things. So my colleague Dan, his wife is a, a trained chef. So he and Diane, his wife, did a culinary edition. Um, and then we, uh, a couple of weeks after that, I was asked by Heather Renberg, our director of marketing, to host a virtual hour, entertaining hour with Reagan Rombauer. So she and I did that, and that was so much fun. 
Yeah, uh, they, they are. It was, yeah, it was a blast. And they're all, they're all, they all occur live on Facebook and YouTube, but then they're also on our website, um, uh, archived on our website and our Facebook page. And the one that Reagan and I did has, at this point, uh, just over 4,000 views, which Very good. is pretty Very awesome. Good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I always like to see those numbers. We, we get quite a few listeners on this show here, and it always amazes me whenever I see those numbers. <laughs> I'm just you know, so appreciative of all the people listening and everything. So that's great. So you can listen to them on archives. So y'all don't have to miss us live. You can always listen to the Rumbar a podcast on archives. You don't have to listen to us, but if you want to listen to them live, you can listen to us on archives. So either way, you're not going to miss both of us. Uh, simple as that. Mike, any quick questions <laughs> for uh, for Charlotte before uh, she wraps up here? Yeah. Well, I know that uh, I know she's living on time real quick and I'll, I'll see if I can make this brief, That's but okay. uh, we, we talked about this topic uh, maybe last month or month before last about the different levels uh, for the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. And I noticed on your yeah. profile that you're you're currently uh, level three advanced wine certific- certification. And yes, you are. Are you still going to level four? How does that how does that work out? Yeah, great question. Um, so I, I received my level three um, eight years ago. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah. Um, and it took me a while to build up the confidence to go to the diploma and also to have the funds to do so because it's, it's, it's an expensive endeavor, but totally worth it. Um, so I've already completed two of the six units for the diploma, so I am a diploma candidate at this point. Um, right now, it had been on hold. I asked, um, I, I go to the Capital Wine School in downtown D.C., and I'd asked the owner if I could put a pause on my um, my attendance for a year when I got this job so I could get acclimated to it. And um, I'm getting ready to uh, kick back up here in the fall and hope to be done within a couple of years. Fantastic. And that's going to be yep. for level three or for level four? That will be for level four, the diploma. So okay. that's the last okay. level in the organization. And then you go on to become a master of wine. Is we've that, talked about all the certifications. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we covered yeah. Had a, almost a whole show on that. Is that what you're looking forward to, is uh, continuing on to master and whatever else you can get into after that? I don't know. I, You know, it's interesting. I told myself I would never pursue the diploma because it's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of money. Uh, and lo and behold, here I am, right? So <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'd I'd love to be one of very few females female MWs in, in the world, um, but I also think that uh, my job is is very um, um, active and I travel eighty five percent of the time and I I love 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 what I do, but it leaves very little time to study for something as arduous as that. So. I think what I'll do is see how the next couple of units with the diploma go and um, and maybe consider it thereafter. Okay. Yeah, very good. Now, that was all I was wondering. I was wondering about the levels and, you know, how far you were looking to go into it. It's uh, it, We were talking about it, like I said, and, and yeah, it's it's very involved, and, it, and it's not cheap at all. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we no, discussed really that. It, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, well, before well, good luck we leave you, you yeah. Before we leave you, Charlotte, I want you to give us contact information. Now, your contact information, you've got four different locations and all sorts of numbers and all sorts of stuff. 
basically your wine club tell us you know uh, how somebody can join that and then some contact information for the winery if anyone wants to order and i'm seeing advertisements pop up everywhere about one penny shipping uh yep. on yeah. rumbar wine and so yeah. if anyone wants to order so give us all that information everything yeah so anyone can get a hold of rumbar order stuff get one penny shipping, where they go, all that stuff, phone numbers, websites, uh, Facebook, emails, everything. Just fill us all in and all that. Yeah, so um, you can find us at rombauer.com. Uh, on, the, on the website, you, uh, you can, there's a contact us uh, link. You can email us at info at rombauer.com. You can call the winery. We have a beautiful, wonderful team a direct consumer team. They're always ready and willing to help. Um, you can sign up for the wine clubs there. If you um, are on social media, we are at Rombauer Vineyards, both on Instagram and on Facebook. We have a, we are very, very active in social media. Our, um, our team member on our marketing team, Jesse Christ is a godsend. She's lovely and she's very active on there. And then if you have any um, questions about where you can purchase uh, near you, there's also a, uh, a tab called Find Our Wine, rombauer.com slash locate. You can go there. Or if you are, um, even if you're not within my eight states, again, Pennsylvania down to South Carolina, um, you have questions about where you can find it around your, your home, your home base, um, you can email me and I can forward you or direct you to the appropriate regional sales manager. And my email is charlotted at rombauer.com. And uh, there's wine club newsletters and all sorts of stuff on there. So you go to the site, you can always check that stuff out there also. So that pretty much yep. tells you everything on that. Charlotte, thank you so very much for taking the time tonight. You were very informative and interesting. And, uh, Rombar is, is quite an operation. I, Mike and I were amazed about how large it really was when we started to read up on it and all that. It, it surprised me. And so... Thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, taking the time out now. I know everyone's sitting around the table waiting for you to get off the phone so you can come and join them for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thank it's you. totally fine. No, I, so, I really, I really appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me. This was really special, and and I can't wait to um, just keep an eye on the Facebook page on our Roundbower Vineyards Facebook page mm-hmm. because once your link goes up for that of this, it'll it'll most likely go on ours. So. Very good. We appreciate that. And uh, uh, whenever we're in California, Rombar would definitely be one of our stops. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. Have Have a good evening. All right. Thank you. you. Take care, y'all. Bye. Bye. All right. Okay. Well, that That was was fun. Very, very good. Yeah, that was a very knowledgeable, very uh, very, very good. Um, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Let's see. And uh, she, she knew she knew knew her product too. I mean, that's always nice, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. sometimes when you get out to your regionals, um, managers stuff like that, you start asking different questions, like you know, where's your oak source and all that. They go, ah, I'm not sure, you know. But she you was know, right there. You know, she she mentioned they spent uh, two weeks 
in the uh, onboarding. I guess that's uh, being familiar, you know, familiarizing yourself with the company and the brand and everything. And uh, right. I'm sure they covered a lot of that in training. And and she really knows the product and you know everything that they do. So uh, yeah, very very good there. Um, well, if she's on level three of the listnet, then obviously she's <laughs> got the capacity to retain a lot of that information. So she yeah. did a great yeah. job on that. Yeah. So yeah, very good. yeah. Thank you for asking that question too. I was <clears throat> I saw that I was going to say something and I'd forgotten all about it. So I'm, I'm glad you mm. brought that up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, good. That was good. Oh, we will, before uh, we anything am, else? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm enjoying the Chardonnay tonight. It's not Rumbar, I'm sad to say, but it is a Chateau St. Jean. It's the Chateau St. Jean Gold Creamy Chardonnay. It is not vintage, I noticed here. For some, oh, yes, it is. There it is. 2016 Chateau St. Jean Creamy Chardonnay. And it says, if I can read this with the fading light here, um, no, I can't because the label is half tore up and it's hard to read it. So I won't even attempt to read it. But uh, it doesn't say much into it anyway because most of these things don't enjoy with rich dishes and stuff. But it is rather it's, – it's got that butteriness to it, that uh, creaminess from the second fermentation, not real acidic and uh, very nice Chardonnay. If you ever get a chance, it's a Chateau St. Jean chardonnay it's creamy chardonnay and i think the creamy is a nod toward the the butteriness in it so that's what hmm. sort of sipping on with great gusto tonight while we were talking to well charlotte i think you already you already heard my story about the um <laughs> the spice one the spice. i would have been enjoying <laughs> I would have, i would have been enjoying a, a glass of uh spice wine but uh yeah, you would have had to lick it off the floor. <laughs> it exploded. It didn't, I mean, the bottle didn't crack, but man, that cork, it hit, it hit, it hit the, like a side door or something, just boom. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> um, it was, yeah. I've never had that happen, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you straightened it out as to why and, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Uh, that it was, and it can't so happen. I was, I was actually, it, hmm. it, with it other wines, happen. though? Because I have yeah, a, I can. have another uh, really. Yeah, nice. it can. That, it, I, usually not, because usually the yeast is killed completely. But for some <laughs> reason, that plantation of spice kept some of the yeast active, and it, it didn't kill it all in there. And I don't know why. Mm. I we had that with a wow. couple of different three batches, and it kept the yeast active. And when the yeast was active, and that sugars and the spice, and it started to live off of that. And that the byproduct is CO2, and it yeah. fills up the bottle, and there's no place to go, and so it shoots the cork out. So, well, how come? Because it's been stored for a long time. I mean, I broke the seal and everything. Noticed it was kind of fizzing. Poured a glass, you know, that kind of thing, and put the cork back on it. Set it back up, and I think I had two glasses. But uh, so I'm, you know, I'm thinking it sat for such a long time, but and. You know, I thought maybe it would still have you know, getting the cork out would have been an, an experience, but something something went after I opened it happened, and it just uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just started the fermentation faster. You gave it a little little shot That's of amazing air in there, and it shot the fermentation air. faster. That's what it is. It, you know, it's happened. I've 
you know, we uh, we redid a batch of about twelve cases that were were acting up on us, and we pulled those out and mm. popped them out. So yeah, it happened. You know, it just it doesn't always, and sometimes, but it could happen to any wine if all the yeast isn't killed, especially the sweeter wines. Wow, that's why you got to be careful on the sweeter wines. You know, when you make them. Uh. Well, uh, that's now I know I'll I'll have to keep that in mind because I still have a bottle of white. I think it's been opened, so I don't know. The white you know, isn't what it that. Is, but, uh, yeah, the white isn't that sweet, so you shouldn't have too much of a problem with that. The uh, the spice was made to be sweeter, and so that's really where you okay. get problems is because of the sugars in it, and that's what the yeast mm. starts eating. And wow. Yeah, I thought it was turns. on to something. I was like, yay! Yeah, <laughs> so so enjoy the now. spice wine one last time. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> <laughs> it off the floor. I mean, <laughs> no, it was. I don't even I, do most of it was. It was on the counter, and you know, I didn't know where what what happened originally. And I went in the kitchen and and I looked around. I go, what just shot? <laughs> you know, what was it? And but I could hear wine or, or something liquid dripping. So I knew something uh, was off. And yeah. I looked at the counter and I go, oh, my God, I have red wine all over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I um, know. I know. Just... That was good. <laughs> what, a, what an adventure. <laughs> Your adventure in wine. <laughs> yes. Yes, folks. And we stress, can't stress this enough. When you buy wine, drink it. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Drink it. You don't need to save it. Drink it and then go buy more. Don't try to become yeah. a winemaker and agent. <laughs> yeah, don't age anything. Drink it. Drink it and buy more. Just, just a couple more years. It'll, it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the winery's oh, closed. I, this is the last one. I'll save it a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what happens. Oh, boy. We might well, have good. a guest next um, week. I think we're going to have a guest okay. next week. I need to confirm, but I think we're looking at having a guest next week. Uh, Hesperian Winery. Uh, let me pull this up and see uh, if we do have them. Okay, let's see. Uh, well, it's not coming up, but it never does come up when you want it to come up. Let's see. Uh, let's see where is he right there? Okay, uh, yeah, Hesperian. Uh, Felipe Langner of Hesperian has agreed to be on the show on May the twenty-first. So it's not next week; it's two weeks from today. Hmm. And so uh, the twenty-first, we got ourselves a. Yeah, today is the no. Today's the fourteenth. It is next week. Yeah, today is the fourteenth. So. Oh. Next week, the 21st, we will have uh, Felipe Langner of Hesperian Winery, which is also located in in uh, Napa. So uh, that will be that will be our guest coming up next week. We'll have more information on our page, so you can check that out and okay. see. But we'll we'll post it up there. So that's yep. something to look forward to. Sounds good. Um, we can have anything else to add. Do you have anything last minute deals? We'll go ahead and close the show. Um, for Order your May the 4th. rum bar one penny shipping. So get on the website and order your rum bar wine. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> that shipping can, that shipping can yeah. kill you. Yeah. 
So one, yep. one finished shipping. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, definitely get you some wine. Um, yeah. We will uh, close the show out now. It's uh, 8 to 11 p.m. on May the 14th. We'll be back, uh, like Ron said, next week, May 21st, with a special guest. So uh, be sure to tune in at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. And uh, drink your wine. (laughs) Be safe. (laughs) Be safe, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.